When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Purple Podcast is back. Ben Gessling from ESPN.com, Judd Zolgad from 1500ESPN.com. We will get right into it because we know that this has been a busy, hectic week in Vikings Nation. Judd and Phil Mackey did an emergency episode after Teddy Bridgewater went down Tuesday. on Tuesday. Yes, sir. Uh, we are back with our regular lineup today on Friday to discuss what the Vikings will do next to quarterback, where they go from here, and what it could mean for the 2016 season. The Vikings, of course, finished the preseason last night with an undefeated record, whatever that means for you, uh, beating the Los Angeles Rams 27-25. They now have nine days to get ready for the Tennessee Titans in Nashville on September 11th. Sean Hill figures to be the starting quarterback, though the Vikings likely will add a quarterback to their roster this weekend. Rick Spielman, of course, said that last night that they plan to do that. Who that will be and what they will have to give up to get that person, we don't quite know, but... Uh, Judd, as you listened to Rick Spielman talk last night, did it give you any sense of where they might head with this thing? Um, it didn't give me a sense necessarily of where they'll head as far as the direction of the player, whether that be a young quarterback on the market that they like, Ben, or a veteran backup type like uh, Mark Sanchez. But it did give me a definite sense of Rick Spielman telling all the GMs around the league, gentlemen, back off. Quit asking for <laughs> yeah. too much. Um I give the Vikings credit because we have certainly, in our end of the business, questioned some approaches that they've taken in the past, whether it be you know when Zimmer wouldn't talk about Bridgewater's sore shoulder and things yep. like that. Yep. Uh, I give the Vikings a lot of credit, though. Since Teddy went down on Tuesday, they've been incredibly proactive, and I think they've been very smart at being as transparent as possible, which does not mean you tell us everything. But they have been out there at least trying to keep their fan base up to date. Uh, so I think... Coming out of the Spielman press conference on uh, Thursday evening, my main takeaway, Ben, was that uh, the Vikings have made a lot of phone calls. 
Yep. They have been asked for way too much so far. Right. And I'm going to tell you, here's where I think Spielman learned his lesson about panic. I go back to the 2010 season. Uh, Sidney Rice elects not to have the hip procedure done uh, before that, that year because he wanted a new contract. Yes. He comes to training camp and gets put on the pup, and the hip problem turns out to be pretty bad, mm-hmm. uh, so he can't play. Now, the Vikings think they work out a trade with San Diego, San Diego for Vincent Jackson. That falls through when, uh, when the Chargers decide not to trade him. Uh, the Vikings then go into a blind panic, and Spielman and Childress send a third-round pick to the Patriots for Randy Moss. Right. They essentially flushed a third-round pick down the toilet because in less than a month, Moss was gone. Right. Uh, so I think the lesson learned on that is, yes. I feed this crap to my dog. Exactly. I think the lesson. I to say that. I think the lesson, and that's not true, but that New was great food, by, Moss, the way. by the way. That was great. Yeah, yeah, your guy. Your guy now. And he's growing up. It's just fantastic yes. to see how mature he's become. Yep, absolutely. Um, but all that, being, all that being said. I think that the lesson learned from that one was you can be put in a lot of bad situations, and they're very, very difficult. But if you make a move out of sheer blind panic, it's usually going to bite you. Yeah. And so I think what the Vikings are doing here is they're being a lot smarter. And if and I think five years ago, if Rick Spielman in this same situation was asked for a third-round pick or a second-round pick, he might trade it. The Vikings are going to slow cook this one. Uh now, Rick also said on Thursday night that I have complete faith, and we all do, in Sean Hill, who at 36, I don't buy for <laughs> one second. Um, but I do think that the Vikings put into as bad of a situation as possible. I think they're doing the wise thing here. The issue, of course, if you want to criticize them, goes back to the fact that they were ill-prepared for something did happen to Bridgewater. Yes, they were. Now, Taylor Heineke kicking in a glass screen door, storm door, was not in their plans necessarily i can't you can't fault them for that because i think they thought taylor heineke was going to be in the mix and i would guess taylor heineke is kicking himself right now because there's a good chance taylor heineke could be preparing to be the starting quarterback if he'd been healthy if he would played all the training camp i think based on what they think of him and and what they what they like about him so yeah i mean you can you can ding him a little bit for not being prepared, I guess. I mean, it's hard to find a lot of great backup quarterback situations in the league. Yeah, and the Heineke thing changes that a little bit. And just to make this clear, nobody, nobody could have predicted this. I right. mean, well, I, yeah, this I got to a... training camp. I got to training camp. I watched watched Sean Hill and said, if Teddy goes out for a month, it's a problem. But you never sat there and said. I wanted, you know, if Teddy uh, blows out basically his left leg in training, you know, that never. Yeah. So in my wildest dreams, I never painted a scenario under which the Vikings made this egregious mistake because I saw this coming in training camp. I mean, this is off the charts. What kind of odds do you think you could have gotten in Vegas if you'd gone to them on July 20th and said, I'm going to bet you that by September 1st, Taylor Heineke is going to have severed his foot by kicking in a glass door, and Teddy Bridgewater will be out for the season, having been rushed by ambulance to the hospital after a non-contact injury. If you would have gone to Vegas with that, they would have said, "Yeah, we'll give you a thousand to one. Fine." Well, and don't—I I don't know what it would have been, but you could have made a lot of money. <laughs> and don't forget Ben Gessling, the trifecta. Joel Stave will likely be at this rate on the opening day roster. Or could be. It could be. I'm, I mean, I'm not willing to con- concede that yet. No, but, but I mean, Joel, Joel Stave, in Joel's wildest dreams, I don't think Joel Stave thought, you know what I'm going to do? Make it through the first round of cuts. Yeah. I mean, I thought that there was a good chance 
by September 1st, 2016, Joel Stave, after a nice little run in Vikings camp, would be in Madison, Wisconsin, selling insurance. Yeah. So, yeah, this quarterback thing is even as far as the Vikings, and this is not their fault, but even as far as Vikings dysfunction goes for just weird stuff, this one ranks up there. Yeah, it certainly does. And going back to Spielman for a minute, I think, I mean, it reminded me last night when we were talking to him of my days covering baseball when you would go to talk to the GM about July 26th, 27th or so, and and they'd kind of give you a sense of what the trade market is like, and, and you know that they're sort of posturing, they're, they're negotiating with other teams through talking to the media. I mean, it's a pretty standard thing that baseball GMs do. It's not something that Rick Spielman does very often, and I thought no. it – Draft time he does. He does do it then. But not, yeah, not during a training camp or season. Right. And I, I thought the fact that he did that, I mean, to come out of the blue and say, yeah, I'm going to talk to the media and when he generally doesn't do that this late in the camp and, and probably not again until the bye week, it was kind of like, okay, there's something in this for him. And, and you saw quickly, and I, I don't fault him for this because that's part of why people talk to us is to get their message out there. Of course. I, I get that. Yep. We are part of that game and that exchange. And I think. That certainly was part of the motivation there last night, and I think it is a smart thing for him to get out there and do to, to let teams know, hey, what you're trying to get us to do is not going to fly. If you want to talk seriously, we're open to talk, but we are not going to hand over high draft picks, young players, whatever it would happen to be, some combination of both, just to get a quarterback that might or might not be here long term. Now, we have a long way to go before we can assume that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be back and be the same guy. But I also don't think it's so dire that you come through and say, all right, we'll give you whatever we have to give up to get Josh McCown. I was going to say, not for this crop. No. I mean, if we were to, if the Vikings had, which they don't, if the Vikings could go to a team and get what you consider to be a legitimate starter. If the Saints wanted to unload Drew Yeah, Brees that's an entirely different conversation. Yes. I mean, if the Chargers came to you and said, Rivers is on the table. Right. Okay, that conversation's completely then different. Then you take a run at it. But we, Especially if it's Rivers but I mean, with this history with Turner. Yeah, and but the Vikings' problem here is that they, they are going to the, the dollar store in the strip mall. Right. And the dollar store all of a sudden is trying to charge $10 for items. And so I don't blame the Vikings one bit. But but what I like about how they've handled this entire situation is as bad as the situation is, they have preached and given you an air of calmness yes. about it. And I'll tell you, I covered a lot of Vikings teams where it was a five-alarm fire from the first moment. Yep. I mean, 2000. everything about 2010 <laughs> was a five-alarm fire. And it became a joke because you said, you know, your job, you know, Brad Childress or Rick Spielman at the time, your job is to remain calm. Right. That's what you're supposed to do. And the thing I like about the Vikings approach here is I think they're saying, you know what, our defense is still really good. Yeah. We've got a running back who's still really good, we think, at mm -hmm. the age of 31. Right. We've, we've got an offensive line, which, yes, has some questions, but we ultimately reconstructed some of. So it's not as if it's all it, – it's not as if five guys got hurt. Right. And I just I – like, I like this approach because in some ways it's very un-Viking like yeah. because the Vikings' ordinary, ordinary default, excuse me, is to sort of go into a panic, which they're trying not to do, and I don't think they've done. Well, I think the times – I'm praising them, see? Yeah. There you go. The Sports Grinch is in a good mood today. Teddy Bridgewater's hurt, and the Sports Grinch is tossing bouquets left and right. I give him credit. The, the thing I think we've seen with the Vikings is that 
when it comes to the quarterback position, and obviously this is a team that's had a lot of opportunities to make big decisions at the quarterback position because it's not like they've had, oh, I don't know, a Hall of Famer for the last 25 years. Um, not that many teams get that, but you mean teams like the Packers that right. have two quarterbacks since 1992? Right, exactly. Okay. That that luxury is not available to most. But that said, the Vikings have had a lot of situations where they come in and they panic at the quarterback position. 2011, we have to draft a quarterback. The guy that we like, whoever that would have happened to be, and, and it didn't turn out to be a very good quarterback class, but it was we have to get a quarterback, so we're going to take Christian Potter 12th overall. It's like, no, if you would have waited and said, we can get this guy later and use your first-round pick on something else and avoided the narrative of, we have to take a quarterback in the first round, would have changed some things. I mean, you've seen him do that with, I mean, even in 2013, we have to go take a shot at a guy like Josh Freeman, Donovan McNabb in 2011, that we have to have a veteran. This, this idea of we have to fill this slot with some warm body is not a great idea if you can find the right guy Mm -hmm. that's a different approach and i think that's the approach they took in 2014 when they went and drafted teddy bridgewater and i think that seems to be more of the approach they're going to take here now we'll see how it all plays out but they at least are are not at the moment giving you this uh, impression that oh boy they they don't have a plan and they're completely tearing their hair out because they don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they may be doing that behind closed doors for all we know, but they at least are not projecting that in a public sense. Well, and I honestly don't believe that they are going to give up. I mean, if if Cleveland, it sounds like Cleveland's asking for what a second round pick for McCown. Yeah, I think so. McNown. I mean, it sounds you know, there's no way, right? McCown, gosh, Cade McNown. But there's no way. Cade McNown could probably be had for less than a second round. Yeah, but and there's and here's where I give this organization credit and. I give them credit for rare Viking stability. And to me, it's it's the thing that Mike Zimmer brought. Among the attributes he brought, I think the most important thing is this. Since Bridgewater went down inexplicably with a gruesome issue with his left knee and leg, yep. uh, Mike Zimmer, the crisis management on, on the Vikings part, I think, has been very good. But I don't think that's born from Mike Zimmer saying, oh, my gosh, my quarterback just got hurt. Now now I have to control and manage this crisis, Ben. I think what he's done from the day he walked in the door is built up the equity to say, gentlemen, things are going to go wrong here. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to go wrong, but things are going to go wrong, and we have to be prepared to win in spite of that. And I think he showed it personally from the Adrian Peterson situation. I mean, right. Mike Zimmer had, what, one game? His first game, right? Yep. In St. Louis. Yep. With Adrian Peterson. And then Adrian Peterson was taken away. And then Bridgewater had to start by what, week four? Yes. Or week five? Came in the middle of but week three. My point being is from the moment Zimmer walked in the door at Winter Park, I think he has built up the equity that people trust him. Yeah. And so when Bridgewater collapses, yeah, that's tough and that stinks. But if Mike Zimmer at that moment had said, Okay, I'm in charge here, don't worry, players go, What are you talking about? Our quarterback just called. But he's built up that equity and that trust that I think players look at what happened on Tuesday and they're very upset by it. And and they know it's a hit to the team, but they also look at their head coach and say, okay, this guy has never wavered in his approach. Yeah. And as a coach, I think that's tough. I yeah. think there's a lot of coaches. I think there's a lot of coaches now who would be saying, it's fine, it's fine, don't worry about it. Players would say, you weren't saying this two weeks ago. Yeah. So yeah. I give Zimmer a lot of credit for the stability that this locker room and collection of players seems to have. 
Well, and that goes back, I think, to the guy that we always talk about with Zimmer, Bill Parcells. One of the things Bill Parcells told Zimmer right after he took the job, he texted him a, a few different things. He said, coaching is lonely. You're, you'll have people that you thought were your friends that are going to disappoint you or desert you. But the thing that he said that applies in this situation is that there are, I think, he, as he put it, there are four or five things that happen every day as a head coach in the NFL that you wish wouldn't happen. If you can't handle those things, you need to go get a different job. Parcells, from the very beginning, was preaching to him, this job is going to throw things at you that you are not ready for, Yep. and you are responsible for steadying the ship and being able to figure out a way to, to get around those things. And I, I mean, we talked about it you know, back when I did the story on, on Mike and his dad. I mean, his dad instilled this mentality in him too i mean his dad was a high school coach and we've talked about it on the show before but you know when high school you go through different players every year you don't know what you're going to have whether it's a kid with a great arm or a running back or none of the above you got to figure out how you're going to win with the players that you have you can't say well we typically do this when we have this great quarterback so we'll try it again when we don't have a great quarterback you say, well, this is what's here. This is what's available to me. How do I make it work? So mm-hmm. I think that approach is going to serve Mike Zimmer well here because you're not going to sit there and say, well, we have to do this because this is what we always do with Teddy. There's going to be a lot of stuff that you do with Teddy that's not going to work with Sean Hill. There might be some stuff that you do that Teddy didn't like that you bring back. I mean, we'll see how that all shakes out. But there's not going to be this like Brad Childress-like mode of, this is my offense, and everybody has to just kind of fit in it, even if their roles don't yeah. match. The rules I apply to do. what I'm telling you right. to do and not what you do well. Yeah. So with Sean Hill in there, how do we expect that this offense will adapt? How do we expect they're going to be able to make this work? What do we think we're going to see? Well, I, I've told you my biggest concern. I mean, yes, yes, you can default to the position of he's 36 years old and the ball wobbles through the air and – he was brought in here more than anything to be a mentor to Teddy. Um, my biggest concern, though, is how how long does Sean Hill stay healthy? Yeah. I mean, that's it. When he has to start that second preseason game in Seattle and plays most of the first half of that game and can't practice for two days, the biggest thing that I think the Vikings have to sit there and talk about is not is Sean Hill going to completely flop when he plays, how long can he play? Uh, realistically... As far as the quarterback spot goes, I mean, your defense is still really good. Yeah. You've still got Peterson. I mean, you've still got a lot of the pieces in place. Um, pieces in place. But, should be pretty good. But I think, the reason why, I think the reason why the Vikings are shopping is because they know that they never signed Sean Hill uh, back here for the 2015 season to be a starting quarterback. Right. And to be honest with you, Ben, I think if you had asked – if you gave them truth serum and said, okay – Worst case scenario with Teddy, how many games do Spielman and Zimmer think, or did they think at the time that Sean Hill could start? I think they'd say we'd like to get a month. Yeah. So to like sit four. here, so to sit here and have this hypothetical discussion about a sixteen-game season, which she's never done, by the no, way. No, and, and this is not an indictment of Sean Hill. He yeah. just wasn't signed for that. Right. I mean. Taylor Heineke was supposed to come in here, and Taylor Heineke was supposed to compete, and I think ultimately they were hoping he'd win the backup job, and maybe if something happened to Teddy, eventually he could play. Yeah. Um, but I really think that they are driven right now to look long and hard outside the organization 
based on the fact that they know it's not realistic, realistic to ask Sean Hill to play for an extended period of time. Well, and that changes the framework a little bit, too, in the sense that... Andy Carlson here for the Purple for the Win podcast, dedicated to the pain and pleasure that is the Minnesota Vikings and baby. 1500 ESPN has seen a fit to bring us into the sphere this year, so we'll be doing three shows a week, talking Vikings, have a car wash of fantastic guests, talk at length about the backup tight end situation. And remember, everyone's middle name is Jerome. It's going to be a lot of fun or terrible. It'll be one of the two. Get it on the 1500 and Podcast One app or on iTunes or at purpleftw.com. Let's go. If you're, I mean, we when we talk about a backup quarterback, we always talk about how hard it is to get a guy ready to go. You may not have to do that. You may be looking at a situation where Sean Hill starts for a month, maybe takes you to the bye week, which is week six. After that, maybe you have another guy who's well-versed enough in the offense that he can come in and, and take over if you need that. Maybe that's Taylor Heineke. I'm a little skeptical of that. I'm big-time skeptical. I, people people suggest that on Twitter. It's like, oh, he'll be ready to go. He was in the offense last He's year. He's never like, played a game before. He played against third stringers in the preseason. If it's you, totally different. If you didn't have aspirations, if you thought that you had a nice little team maybe, yeah. and you're thinking yeah. to yourself, man, if this was two years ago, then I say knock sure, yourself out, out go for it. Yeah. But – one of the things that Mike Zimmer has to do is, I mean, he's known as a non-BS guy. Yeah. He's got to go in that locker room, and he's got to tell these players, look, you're, my defense is still really good. I've got, I've got veterans here, and I've told you from day one, we can win. There is no way, in my opinion, that you can walk in that locker room in week uh, seven and say, okay, Taylor boys, I believe guy. in all those yeah. things. But a guy who, by the way, put his left through a glass plate yeah. door, which is idiotic. Yeah, not the best decision maker. And I'm there. still not buying the story, but yeah. you can't sell that. I think the one thing, the thing that Zimmer has going for him, I think, above and beyond is credibility. If you go in that locker room and you say Taylor Heineke is going to start, I think your credibility could take a massive hit. Yeah. I, I really do. I, yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, if you get a guy in here that has played a little bit, that has a little bit more equity in the league. You know, maybe that guy's ready to go in five or six weeks. That's it's none of this is ideal. No, it's nobody's terrible. saying this is ideal. But it's worst case scenario. Yeah, but I think the fact that they were able to win eleven games last year and win the NFC North with the thirty-first ranked passing offense in the league, this is not the Green Bay Packers losing Aaron Rodgers when you build everything you do on Aaron Rodgers being brilliant. The Vikings are not built around a quarterback being brilliant and having to carry them every week. If anything, they are built around the idea that we are not going to have a quarterback that's brilliant every week, or at least they haven't had to win that way. I mean, maybe they'd like to go there. Obviously, every team would. But they have other ways that they can win games. They certainly had to do it last year. You're you're trying to replace an 88.5 quarterback ranking quarterback rating, which is not bad, but it's not. I mean, it's below average in the NFL in 2016, with as passing friendly as the rules have gotten and everything else. Now, I, I get the fact that the reason everybody was excited about this year was predicated on the idea that Teddy Bridgewater was going to take a step, that you weren't going to be getting an 88.5 anymore. You were going to be getting closing somewhere closer to. 95 to 100 that he was going to become a quarterback that could win you some games even if Adrian Peterson is not carrying the load even if they get into a game where it's 35 to 31 or, or something like that I get all that but there is still a way 
for this team to win without great quarterback play. They've proven that in the past. They should have better weapons on offense this year than they did last year. I'm not sitting here saying it's going to be easy, but the schedule is not all that daunting. They have a defense that probably should be a little bit better, a little bit more well-versed even than last year in Mike Zimmer's system. The offensive line is going to be an issue. We know that. But this was a team, even with all of its limitations on offense last year, that was a chip shot field goal away from going to Arizona in the second round of the playoffs with a ton of confidence because they thought they could go out there and beat that team. Mm -hmm. If that was the case last year, I'm not ready to sit here and say 6-10, and this thing is over. I just I think that there is a chance that these guys are in the playoffs. I think there's enough pieces there that they can diversify the portfolio, so to speak, and well, yeah, win I mean, some games in yes. spite of the fact they're not going to have a great quarterback. Okay, so um, help me with this because you're, you're a guy who's around this team on a daily basis. I'm around a lot, but not nearly as much as you are. Help me with the much more nebulous conversation of the intangible bridge intangibles Bridgewater brings and what his being out for at least a season does because that to me is is the most interesting conversation because stati- if you open up the statistics page for Bridgewater yeah. it's underwhelming yeah. I mean it's not it's not jaw dropping bad but you also don't look and say that can't be replaced uh, that being said, I remember, and I've been around plenty of Vikings teams that paid lip service to, to their quarterbacks, you know, Tavares Jackson, Christian, Christian Ponder, Potter, certainly. and you got a lot of guys in the locker room who were told, here's what you're going to say about Tavares or Christian, and they said it. And you looked at them and you thought, okay, I'm going to write this because I have to write something, but you don't believe what, what yeah. you just said, nor do I. Um, before Bridgewater got hurt, but especially after in the locker room on Thursday night, you can tell the players respect him. Border on love him, yes, and that he does, and he, he has the he has the thing that a quarterback has to have, which is he has their ear. Yes, it's clear when he tells guys to shut up, they shut up. Yeah. Um. So this conversation is much more difficult because it has nothing to do with black and white. It's all shades of gray. But explain to me what you think Bridgewater's absence from the huddle, the locker room, and the uh, playing field mean to this team. Well, I think it means a lot, and I would almost argue that it means more possibly than what he is as a quarterback because this is the thing that Mike Zimmer, and I wrote about this a little bit this morning, Mike Zimmer, when the Vikings drafted Teddy Bridgewater, the first thing Mike Zimmer said about Teddy Bridgewater is everywhere this kid goes, he wins. He won in high school as a freshman. He won in college as a freshman. He got all these peop- all these kids from South Florida to follow him to Louisville and pass up going to Miami or Florida or Florida State or whatever it happened to be, all these kids went to Louisville and they won at Louisville because all these kids wanted to follow Teddy Bridgewater. He just has this thing about him that people gravitate towards. I think it's just that he, I mean, I asked Alex Boone about this last night and he had a really good answer with it. He said, he doesn't talk down to people when he's in the huddle. There's a calmness about him. He he'll joke around with you, but he's not like, silly I mean he just he seems to have a a natural leadership style about him he'll say you know if somebody screws up everybody knows whose fault it was but Teddy's saying hey that's on me I'll get it fixed and you know for all of the brilliance we hear or we see from Aaron Rodgers you do hear things every once in a while you see him showing up a receiver or showing up an offensive lineman hey you were supposed to run this route why were you here you don't see that with Teddy Bridgewater and I think that's part of the reason that you have a lot of guys in that locker room that have gravitated towards him. Mike Zimmer said it 
immediately, and that was the, the piece of Mike of the quarterback class of 2014 that Mike Zimmer was evaluating was how are they going to be as leaders? How is their personality going to mesh with mine? And that part of Teddy certainly stood out to the Vikings, stood out to Mike Zimmer, and I think the fact that you had a, a list of guys that went to see him in the hospital on Tuesday night pretty much as soon as he was ready to have visitors that included Adrian Peterson, Kyle Rudolph, Everson Griffin, Brian Robinson, Terrence Newman, Captain Munnerlin, and I think I'm forgetting a couple, but all of those guys are older than Teddy, and all of them have been in the league longer than Teddy. The fact that he is 23 years old and the fact that he's only been in the league for 28 starts right. is not that relevant at this point because these guys who are older than him have very clearly decided to follow this guy. It's not just, ah, he's our quarterback, so we have to. You, I don't think you had that kind of a response, and you don't have the immediate gut reaction on the practice field that there was on Tuesday. That was almost more about, I mean, yes, it was a gruesome injury. Yes, it was a shocking thing to have happen in practice, but it was almost more about, this is our guy and we just lost him. You know, it's, he's not going to be with us, and this sucks. I mean, that was, I thought, almost more what drove the reaction in there Tuesday than anything else. And that's the part that's hard to replace, is that Teddy Bridgewater seemed to have this quality about him that somehow he found a way to win and somehow he found a way to motivate guys that you don't have now. And Mike Zimmer talked about it and said, you know, Sean Hill can't be Teddy Bridgewater. Sean Hill's got to be Sean Hill and lead in his way. But you do have to figure out now how you're going to follow a guy that has a lot more experience than Bridgewater, has been in the league a lot longer, but doesn't have the first-round pedigree and doesn't probably do it quite the same way. There is going to be an adjustment there. What uh, what potentially does Mark Sanchez do for you as far as... Now, he is error-prone, turnover-prone. Yes. Uh, if he tries to actually run the position of quarterback, he can be a colossal disaster. But that being said, you know, keep in mind, anybody who goes back there now... Uh, does have the advantage of playing with Peterson and all the conversations that we had about diversifying the offense and about mm -hmm. Peterson doing this or that are essentially out the window. Yeah, I mean, well th this goes back to being this now is going to default to being the Adrian Peterson offense. And at the age of 31, in what is almost certainly the last year of this contract. Now, that does not mean he's done with the Vikings. I don't know on that. Right. Uh, but this current contract that he's playing under, I don't see any way he comes back next year with that contract without it being restructured. You know, I guess my feeling is, if you're the Vikings now, do you just sit down and say, if we get a guy like Sanchez, he's going to hand off to Peterson, he's going to throw a couple passes here and there. But ultimately, we want a guy that can manage the game, which Sean Hill can do. But once again, we also need a guy who we think can stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, there's some of that, I think. And Mark Sanchez has been a guy that, I mean, people forget it now, it's been a few years, but he went to two AFC Championship games with the Jets in with his great first three years with great defenses and, told and a not power to, running game. And told not to screw up. Yeah, and that year, I'm just looking back at his stats, it was 09 and 10. He threw 20 picks in 2010, 2009, threw 13 in 2010. Completion percentage was not very good, 53-54%. Those aren't great numbers, but if you have a defense and a running game, you can find ways to win, I guess. I mean, the, the thing... I think here is that we we in the media, we kind of go when these things happen into these narratives of, oh, it's going to be like this all the time. And every, all of us have said all week they're going to have to feed Adrian Peterson all the time. And I think there's certainly going to be more put on Adrian Peterson. But I also think there are more options 
on this offense than there have been in the past. And a lot of those options, because of what you were doing with Teddy Bridgewater, are guys that you don't have to get the ball to with this skilled quarterback. You can get the ball to Jarek McKinnon on jet sweeps. You can throw him screens. You can line him up at wide receiver and you know, the quick little pop passes. I mean, Cordero Patterson maybe comes back in the mix. Stephon Diggs has done some of these things. You have a lot of guys who have been able to thrive on just get me the ball. It doesn't have to be flashy. It doesn't have to be complicated. And I can make plays with the ball in my hands. So the fact that you have Peterson certainly helps. But I think this this idea that, oh, they're going to have to give him the ball 45 times a game to win. I think I said 50. Yeah. I mean, you're certainly not the only person that said it. Yeah. And I've, and I've I don't, I don't to that too. I don't but. believe it. I do I do believe that the the narrative that we talked about, about this offense being starting to be drastically different and morphing, yes. probably goes away quite a bit. It probably does. Because you're not going to, if you get Sanchez or Sean Hill starts, you're not going to morph the offense for no. their benefit. No, I mean, you're, you're, just, you're flat out now. Not, not that you weren't before, but you're flat out now, Ben Gessling, trying to win football games however you yeah. can. And the uglier, probably, the better. Yeah. And you're trying to win games with defense now. It's just it's an interesting dynamic because we really thought that, that Bridgewater was going to take a step. And we also thought, I think in fairness, that the offensive play calling was going to take a yeah. step. And now I'm very curious to see if they dial it back, if they have ideas of, of how, how to use guys that might be different. It just it's. The injury itself happens at such an inopportune bad yeah. time. I mean, there couldn't you couldn't have worse timing. It's hard to find a quarterback now. Damn near impossible to find a good one. Um, as far as as you know, they had gone through their fault a year ago. Was what they went through training camp and they basically didn't have a good idea of the offense until they got to game one and yep. and they busted in San Francisco and played terrible. And yep. Bridgewater and Peterson are not on the same page. So week two they choose. A different game plan now this year it seemed like they had gone through training camp with a much better idea of what they had and now it's all changed so your timing it's just from a timing standpoint because pe- people keep keep approaching me at the fair and saying what should happen here I, I can't tell you i mean this is there's no there's no good answer to this yeah it's not like yeah. we can sit here and say okay if you can go out as, as we talked about before if you can go out and trade for drew Brees right now and get drew Brees in and get him you know into the offense by week seven you know it's not gonna happen great you can do that in your fantasy team it doesn't work that way in the nfl especially with the cap situation they got six million dollars the vikings by the way the vikings new favorite whipping boy fantasy football yep mike zimmer hates it he's brought it up a bunch of times yep rick spielman last night you, everyone it's a new thinks pro football it's fa- focus. Yes, it is. They because found their now new... we can't get pro football focus anymore. You can't get the, the well, same you can. ratings. You just got to pay a little bit more. Well, but they don't give you the ratings and the and everything the same way anymore. So if you're a reporter that doesn't really want to watch the game and evaluate things for yourself, and you just want to spit out the pro football focus rankings, some people like to do that. No reporter does. You can't, I don't know what you're talking you about. You can't do as much of that anymore. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, there there may, there may be a couple that I, I can think of that do that. I want to run a theory by you. Sure. I think deep down, part of the reason this injury hurts Vikings fans so much is because they have been yearning for so long to have the guy at quarterback. And there was some hope that Bridgewater was going to turn into the guy. And I think that stems from two things. Number one, as we mentioned, you've watched your bitter, hated, detested rival have the guy for the better part of my life and and probably the better part of the lives of a lot of fans my age. Number two, I think no matter how much we talk about ground and pound football and having a stout defense, 
everybody's favorite Viking teams of people of my age and probably a little older than me are what? Chuck it up to Randy Moss. This high flying offense. I mean, the, yeah, the, the team that everybody loved was ninety eight, where yeah. you, you could chuck it deep. You yep. had three deep with Moss, Carter, Jake Reed, yeah, Randall it's Cunningham. It's fast football. It's video game type stuff. I think that's part of the reason this hurts people is that they want to get back to the high flying way of winning. If you can win, it's great. But I think yeah. for from a fan perspective, people always want to win sexy. If you have a if you have a choice between winning ugly and winning sexy, I think. It's an obvious one, and I think that's part of the reason this hurts fans. Nobody pays U.S. Bank Stadium ticket prices to watch defense. Right. I mean, as good as the defense might be, yeah. you you don't you don't pay to say, you know what? I really want to see Sunday, Sheree Floyd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I almost feel it like I should lay down on the floor to, to talk about this, having grown up as a Viking fan. Uh, I think Wait, you're not a Packer fan. I thought you were. Bum, ba, da, 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 da. I've always said this. Spent two years covering the Packers, one of the classiest, best run organizations I've ever been around or seen but i grew up a viking fan i was here on the radio tommy kramer you. third grade third huh. grade number nine tommy kramer jersey tommy kramer was my first quarterback in fact i saw tarkington play his last game uh at home at met stadium against philadelphia in 78 my first game ever see i was snowy day all these guys December. on the radio always think you're a packer fan so maybe i should have i think i misunderstood oh i think i misunderstood I think I'm a punching bag at times. I'm unfairly treated by a lot of people. You're, you might not know this, but I'm a victim. You're a time, really. I mean, you're one of those guys that we're going to look back on in 30 years and be like, man, he did some really great stuff. He was just he was underappreciated in his era. I'm the replacements. Yeah. I'm Paul Westerberg yeah, of prob- Sports Radio. You're probably, uh, I, I don't know if your liver's in the same shape as theirs. I mean, hard um, to say, no, no, no. I read the book about. Degree, I read the book about them. Believe me, I judge drinking can't hold a candle to what Westerberg and Stinson did. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, I think you're onto something, and I think it goes even deeper than that, though, uh, because I think poor Vikings fans, God bless them, you know, it's not a joke. You're always waiting, whether it's self-inflicted or not. I mean, this was the Bridgewater injury is not self-inflicted. It's yeah. just bizarre. <laughs> it's but you're but but poor Vikings something. fans are waiting for something to go wrong yes and and listen for there's a reason why i'm the sports grinch ben gessling i'm the sports grinch because i grew up here i mean you know what i saw the 87 and 91 yeah but i mean when you when i can sit in the superdome in 2009 and the vikings are going down the field and chip scoggins one of my best friends i'm covering the game with leans over and says they're going to the super bowl and you had every reason yeah. to think they're going to the Super Bowl. And I looked at him and I said, no, Chip, just wait. <laughs> you know, November 2009, yeah. Doogie comes up to me. Favre's unbelievable. This is great. And I, now I had covered Favre for two years in Green Bay. Right. So this actually came from that experience, not from right. a Vikings experience. And Doogie comes up and he says, you know, this is unbelievable, phenomenal. And I looked at him and I said, Doogie, just wait. He'll break your heart. And he yeah. said, no, he won't. He's MVP. And he was, and this is November. And... He throws the pick against the Saints in the Superdome, and Doogie was like four steps up in the press box. <laughs> and I stopped what I was doing, and I ran upstairs. I ran up to him, and I grabbed him by the shoulders, and I said, see, he broke your heart. So I just think for Vikings fans, it's so difficult. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, I do think I think that when you look at – heck, I mean, just look, go back to 2005, from the day that Dante Culpepper, who, who was good. Yeah. I he mean, was, Dante... Four, it was very, very good. Lenahan made Culpepper great in 2004. I mean, yeah. Culpepper was off the charts in 2004. Yeah. But Dante was good. Dante was solid. But from the day his knee exploded in Carolina, 
look at it. Yeah. You know, Tavares, to Kelly Holcomb, to Farrat, to Bollinger. Yeah. To, I can just go through the entire list and the dra- and ponder. And I think Bridgewater, I think the thing. Matt Castle. Right? Yeah. And I think, Ben, the thing that Bridgewater had going for him, too, though, is I think people do gravitate towards him. Yeah. I, I think he's likable. a leader and people like him. And people look at Teddy and say, that should be our guy. Yeah. But, man, the life of a Vikings fan, seriously, it's, yeah. it's, it, you know, we can laugh it off all we want, but these poor people, yeah. and they're it's, invested and they pay a lot of money and yeah. they got their jerseys. And, and then you got new Vikings fans who came on board in 98. I mean, right. you know, at least old school Vikings fans way back have the Super Bowls. Yeah. The, you know, now, now since '87, basically the yeah. new thing is to gag in title games. Right, not and, even to get there. I mean, the last so, time they were there is January '77. And so, I just think, I think in many ways, it's a, it's Charlie Brown here, yeah. which is, which is, how does something always go yeah. wrong? Very, I've always said this. Very, very appropriate that the creator of the Peanuts comic strip is from Minnesota because and Charles Schultz is from St. Paul, right? Yeah, it just You're it right. fits so perfectly. I'm finally to going to get to kick that football and Lucy pulls it but every time yep and, and you every time you line up thinking this might be it and then something but, I mean, always happens in this situation i mean how do you explain this teddy Bri- <sighs> teddy bridgewater and your one practice all week i mean literally you got done on sunday and yeah. at us bank stadium and i don't care if you're in the media you're a fan whatever you got done with that game and you said this is pretty exciting you got yeah. this new stadium. It pretty darn good. That two-minute drill by Teddy yep. was fantastic. And you're saying to yourself, okay, at least until September 11th, nothing really can go wrong. Right. And then his left, his non-plant leg, yeah. it, and it doesn't just sort of go. I mean, if it was an ACL, you would say, damn, that's a tough break. Right. But I don't mean to be crass here, gross, but his leg basically blows up. Yeah. I mean, explain that to me. Well, you can't. I it- can't find anyone who can even offer... A decent view of what the hell happened. Well, and Rick Spielman said it last night. That what he's had explained to him, he said, I'm not a doctor, nor does he play one on TV, nor did he stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, as far as I know. But he said there was a, a less than 1% chance of it happening the way it did. And if you're a Vikings fan, you hear that and say, well, of course it happened that way. It's it's the Vikings. It just This is the way this thing works. But, yeah, I mean, you came out of that game Sunday thinking, all right, this, I mean, that's, this is almost the time of year, I think, that when the team is good is the sweetest for Vikings fans because it's here's what could be. And we know historically that something probably awful and heart-wrenching is going to happen in the end. We at least for now can say, what if this is the year and maybe this is the guy and all of that. And then not only do you have him going down, you have this prospect of how long is it going to take for him to get back? We, they have to make a decision on this fifth-year option next May, yeah. which I would assume they'll pick up. But that is a decision you're going to have to make. You have to decide if you're going to go try to find somebody in the draft. Or do you count on him being ready next year? I mean, all of these questions. Which that, you probably don't realistically. No, I don't think you can go in assuming that you're going to be able to count on him. But all of these questions that as of Tuesday at the start of practice, you thought you were not going to be contemplating. I mean. In the back of your mind, maybe you always consider that, but realistically, you thought we don't have to worry about this for a while. We are we are turning into one of the teams that says we are set at the most important position in sports, yeah, or at least we are heading in that direction. And then one thing happens: didn't even get hit on the play, as far as we could tell, didn't 
step in a pothole or anything like that on the field, just goes down, blows out his knee, and then all of a sudden it's you're talking about names as possible guys that could come in here that you thought you would never have to mention again, including the three guys that played quarterback for you in that carnival ride of a season in 2013. Just the fact that we're even talking about those names is astounding to me sitting here a week and a half before the season, and it just tells you how much that injury sort of takes the air out of the balloon of what people were pretty excited about. And maybe it'll still turn out to be a great season. We'll see. But but you still don't have the position settled now. Right, I mean, the, the sickening thing is you go to bed now if you're Spielman, Zimmer, or a Viking fan, and you realize there's a very good chance this position now is back to square one. Yeah. I mean that's the yeah. uh, that's that's the if he had if Teddy had just blown out his ACL he'd be out for the year and you'd say okay he'll he'll be back he'll be fine and this has been a team that's been pretty good but, at rehabbing guys too sure but when they go when they go do this surgery one you know you know for the most part they don't know exactly what they're going to find because mm-hmm. they don't know yeah and two is this to me personally from what, what has been reported sounds as bad or worse than what Dante did yeah. And Dante was never the same. Now, granted, Dante was a much bigger man. Dante didn't take the rehab very seriously either. Yes, who tried to run more. I mean, I think Teddy's going to do everything he can to come back. And he'll play it by the book. I mean, he'll fall. But you're right. I mean, that's a great point is how many conversations did we have on the Purple Podcast in the last year plus, and especially the offseason? And at times, I, I think it was you who would joke. But the one thing is you don't have to worry about quarterback. Yeah, you know, for the first time in a, how yeah. long? Yeah, we don't have to sit here and be like, I wonder if I'd go out and pick up this guy, right? Or you know, as Josh Freeman back in two thousand, yeah. you know, yeah. all those conversations which were, which became nauseating, right? Are now at least back in the picture, yeah. now. and and it's just that's what makes it that's what makes it I think so difficult to wrap your head around is that on an arbitrary Tuesday at a practice where nothing really was going on, everything you thought about. And you're right, the most important position in sports. Everything you thought about that position now was turned upside down. And it might come back, but it might not. Well, and I think to to broaden it out a little bit, too, in this town, we so rarely have the foundational piece that you are supposed to have in your respective sport to win, whether it's a cleanup hitter in the middle of the Twins lineup or a, a guy that can score 30 a night for the Timberwolves or a a guy that can put the puck in the net 45 times for the wild. That's probably ever even happened other than Marion Gabrick. You're you're always sort of looking for this other way of winning this. Like this is not ideal, but maybe we can kind of piece it together and make it up. And maybe this will work, even if it's not going to be pretty all the time. Sure. That I, I think it's why when you have those guys and Teddy certainly had not turned into that guy, but I think there was hope that he would be. I mean, Carl Anthony towns is the, is the guy that that we have in this town right now that could be that, mm-hmm. but you're always, yeah, you're even, even beyond just the Vikings, you're always sort of waiting for when is this guy going to get mad? When is his contract going to become yeah. an issue? Is he going to leave When's us? Is he going to get hurt? Yes. When's exactly. he going to want to go play in a bigger market? And, and as I said, I think the most important thing to keep in mind about Bridgewater is as far as the statistics go, he doesn't have the it factor or even close to it yet. Yep. But I think as far as being the guy, who the team could look to at quarterback yeah. and saying he's our guy. He had that he gave it you factor, some hope. Yeah. and and that's the most important thing. Yeah. And now you can run through. I mean, you might still make the playoffs, and it might be fine. But 
you're I don't think you're going to run a guy through the locker room now who the team is going to gravitate towards like they did Bridgewater. Yeah. yeah. And that and that to me and that's a difficult conversation because it's once again it's something that's hard to put your your finger on and say okay this was definitely it about him. Yeah. But I'm telling you on Thursday night in talking to players in that locker room you didn't get lip service. No. You got basically I like the fact you got some defiance from them, which is we will be fine. We're going to win. Teddy right. will come back. And that comes from Mike Zimmer, I think. And I like that defiance. Yeah. Um, but you also you also could tell a guy that they they looked to a lot was now gone. Yeah. And that's not simple to replace. And and in all candidness, I don't think that's a role that Adrian has ever really embraced. Right. I mean, I think when young guys come in the locker room and they see Peterson, they say, oh, my gosh, it's Peterson. And I, I used to have his poster on my, my bedroom wall, mm-hmm. and that was awesome. But Adrian's also not the type of guy who says, look at me, I'm going to lead you. He's the type of guy that says, just give, give me the football 25 times a game. Right. Yeah, I would agree with Those that. Those guys are hard to find. I would agree. And I, I think that's the thing that you now have to be careful about a little bit in the sense that you don't want somebody to come in there and say, well, this is how Teddy did it, whether that's Sean Hill or, or somebody you bring in from the outside. So I'm going to try to be that. Like People will see through that. It's fake. Like, you can't, yes, you cannot legislate yourself right. into that role. Right. You either have that, and and my point is, I think Bridgewater had that. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Bridgewater had that. It's not just a likability because that's important, but not key. Yeah. He also had the ability because we always joked about that with Ponder. There was no way Ponder got in that huddle and looked a big offensive lineman in yeah. the eye and said, "Shut up, it's my huddle." Right. I could see Bridgewater not necessarily saying shut up, but I could see him getting in the huddle and saying, okay, here's what we're going to do, and looking people in the eye, and they're like, oh, okay, cool. There's an element it's of hard him. To do. There's an element of him that was always just kind of like, I mean, there's, I, I think I've seen it on Twitter. There's this Barack Obama meme, and I'm not saying this for, for political reasons. I, we're not ben getting into the right me. or left, and I, I know how Joe Suchere may be listening to this or whatever, but. Oh, don't there, worry about that. Sue's just not listening. There's this meme where it, I mean, it's him, I think, you know, giving a speech maybe after they got Bin Laden or something, and it says, everybody chill the F out. I got this. Yes. And that's kind of the Teddy vibe. It, it's not like, look at me, look at me. I'm going to show off yes. and act like this big alpha male. Not Cam Newton. It's just chill the F out. I got this. We're going to be fine. Yes. And Which is what Zimmer also, I think, has. Yes. has yes. But it's more important. You also, you can't just have a coach have that. Right. Because a coach has to be the bad guy too much. Yeah. You need a player to have that. Yeah. And, and that's hard. But it, but this is, you know, it's the classic case of, I love the coworker who's always very cool, calm, and collected until all hell breaks loose. Yep. And then they get below their desk. And we're you say, all going to die. And you say, but. but They're going to fire everybody. But, Ted, I thought you were cool, calm, and collected. And I, I don't know what to do now. Those are the type of those are it's the moment of truth. Then was that Ted the lawyer from Scrubs? By the way, because it sounded like that. And Ted, that was a. Did you watch that show, Scrubs? Scrubs? Oh, years ago. Great but show, very underrated. That wasn't it. But I just always is as you know in the newspaper business. Yeah. Deadline. Yep. You know, there's always Mister or or Miss Cool, Calm, and Collected at three o'clock. Yep. And then it, it's eleven o'clock, and you're on deadline. Don't, don't talk to you me. know, be quiet. I got to do this. I got. And it's like, hold on a second. You went into this business for for the pressure. Yep. The pressure's supposed to be the rush. Yep. You're supposed to be really good under yes. pressure, yes. you idiot. And sports is the same way. Yep. So, but in sports, the moment of truth is, okay, when it's the fourth quarter and you're in the two-minute drill, can you function or are you paralyzed? Right. And Bridgewater could function. Right. And it was almost, And this is not saying he's great. This is just saying these are things we saw. Right. And he was almost better in that two-minute situation than he was otherwise. I mean, to the point where they almost said if he can just bottle that, 
and play a little bit more freely, the rest of the game maybe will be fine. And that might have come eventually. Yeah, it might have. And, and it still might. It may, may still get there. Sure. But we have, uh, we have talked a lot of wistful things on here. We've talked about what might have been. Maybe we close with this. The Super Bowl is here next year. The Vikings could potentially be the first team to ever host the Super Bowl and, and, and play in it in their own stadium. Wow. Perhaps Teddy Bridgewater comes back next year. Perhaps he makes the kind of miraculous return that Adrian Peterson made. Perhaps he takes the Vikings to the Super Bowl, and perhaps they win it in their home stadium. I know that this is out of character, certainly for Viking fans to think about. It's probably out of character for us on this show to talk about that. But I'm not sure will, I'm on board with this, by the way. I, I Shut up, Sports Grinch. I don't know this Ben Gessling. I'm, I'm trying to sell hope here. Okay, you keep going. You, you know what? I'll be quiet. I'll turn my mic off. You run with it. Vikings fans, it's been a long week. We know. We understand. We feel your pain. We will leave you with that. There is a possibility that next February, February of 2018, your team is in the Super Bowl in its own stadium. Your quarterback has come back from a knee injury. He leads you to victory. And the fact that all of this happened this week, you'll be able to look back on it and say, think where we were at the end of August in 2016. And now we've come to this point. And how much sweeter would that be? Keep on fighting till the end. We will leave you with that wistful dream. We and we will see where champions. it goes we until our next episode of the Purple Podcast. The ben Gessling, Judd Zolgad, thanks for listening. Hang on to hope, and we'll talk to you next time. the champions of the world. Stay tuned for 60-second AP News headlines. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.